Christchurch, New Malden, 10th of January 2021. Katie Loughman speaking on Building Back Better with Our Commitment. Well, here we are in lockdown again. What is it, the third time now? We thought things might be different by now, but we're not there yet, are we? It's so sad not meeting and worshipping together, especially over Christmas, to sing together, pray together, drink mulled wine. The church was beautifully decorated. There were candles and lights and the Christmas tree, but they were all hidden, looking beautiful and praising God all by themselves in the dark, unseen. Last week, Stephen mentioned that one way people try to make sense of the hardship they go through is by trying to build back better. After World War I, they built homes fit for heroes. After World War II, the NHS was set up and education was improved. These things brought a measure of redemption. Without those wars, how long would it have taken to improve people's lives with those things that we value so much today? That was one way that our country tried to redeem some of the suffering of those wars, to take control by turning it into an opportunity to make things better. Can we do the same? Can we build back better here at Christchurch? Being locked down for much of last year and now again has highlighted some of the things that are wrong with the world. With the whole world under so much pressure, the cracks widen and we notice them more because we have fewer distractions and we see the problems with nature and the environment. We feel the injustice faced by black people, the limitations of the NHS and the injustices caused by an ill-prepared government. We could have been better. We can be better. Now is a chance to redefine ourselves as a country, as individuals and as a church. We need to make ourselves better so that we can make our church better and make our country a better place. But we can only do that with renewed commitment to all that that entails. And it starts with a renewed commitment to God. Yes, we're going through a tough time at the moment, but that shouldn't put us off because most of the Bible was written in tough times. Our reading from Lamentations is an example of that. The whole book describes unimaginable suffering. And yet Christianity is made for times of suffering. Which is why the poet who describes the atrocities we see in Lamentations can say, in the middle of everything, that God's compassion never fails. It's new every morning. And the result, he says in verse 22, is that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Jesus has defeated evil, which is why Paul as well can say in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 9, we are hard pressed on every side, but are not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Archbishop Justin Welby put it like this in his Christmas Day sermon. Jesus Christ reveals God leaning into the darkness and defeating it through embracing every aspect of our sufferings and struggles, anxieties and fears. 
This means that for us now, in these hard-pressed times, we can rediscover what our faith is saying to us. Words of comfort and strength, of God's loving presence with us. Words of hope and inspiration and of challenge. God loves us and comforts us through difficulties, but he doesn't expect us to be passive through them. Our job, as his people, is to glorify him in everything we do. And that mission doesn't change. How can we glorify God in lockdown? One way is to use the time to work on strengthening our faith and getting closer to God. Two weeks ago, Ruth Henson made quite a few suggestions for that in her sermon on the 27th of December. Here are some of them. Reading a Christian book or a gospel or listening online to a sermon series. What would help you to deepen your faith? My husband David is using lockdown to memorise psalms. He knows about five psalms off by heart now. In the first lockdown, I spent several weeks studying Revelation, using the sermon series that's on our Christchurch website. It was fascinating and very rewarding. If we each commit ourselves to a project of that kind that will bring us closer to God, we'll all be stronger and more resilient. Christchurch will be stronger, and when the time comes, we can build our church back even better than it was before. I've often heard people say that their faith grows more in times of hardship than it does in the good times, and I've found that myself as well. Difficult times force us to rely more on God as we see our own strength struggling. That means that now is a good time for each of us to make that a reality. I've been feeling so frustrated at these lockdown restrictions and miserable about the stories I hear on the news and from some of my friends, but God invites us to pour all that out to him, as the Book of Lamentations does, to just be honest and tell God how we feel. And when we do that, we know that he's right there with us. We may be perplexed, and these are perplexing times, but we don't need to despair. We may feel persecuted, but we can be sure that we're not abandoned. God's faithfulness is infinite. Jesus has defeated evil, therefore evil's power is only limited. We needn't be defeated by these terrible things. And at the same time, we can be looking for the green shoots of God's work bringing hope to the situation. His faithfulness and his compassion new every morning. And we praise him for every good thing that we see. The more we do that, the more he'll open our eyes to see more of his work and the more our faith deepens. A second way we can be more committed is to church itself. It's sad we can't meet together for services and the children's groups with our friends. When can we open again? But whenever we do reopen, we're going to need more people. People to lead the children's groups. Can you join Becky and me in Tiddlywinks or in one of the other children's groups? We'll need musicians and singers, sound and camera operators, 
coffee servers, all sorts of jobs that enable church to happen. We need new people to serve in all these areas, alongside the ones who were doing it before. Church is an expression of community, and it's wonderful and so rewarding when we catch the vision and commit to serve, not just join. We can learn about our faith from listening to sermons, but we grow in our faith by doing things. That includes giving money. We all have the responsibility to make a financial commitment to church. For most of us, it's more than that too. It's creating a bit of God's kingdom in New Malden, a place of acceptance, a community of people committed to each other and to serving our neighbours. We need to teach our children commitment too. If we give them the routine of watching the children's groups online every week, it will feel familiar when we go back to church and they go to their group every week. Can you encourage their faith outside church too? Pray with them. Teach them to put God first. Help them to recognise God in their life. Some people only go to church or to the children's groups now and again, but the people who make the most difference are the ones who are there every week or whose children can be relied on to always turn up, whether it's a children's group or a home group or a church service. It's that commitment that gives energy to the group and inspires the leaders. It enables us to form proper relationships with each other so that we can notice if there's something wrong. I find it quite hard to get to know people when I have a chat with them one week and then I don't see them again for several weeks. When we're there, we become involved. We're part of Jesus' body. We can do Jesus' work. We're part of the mission of the church, which is God's mission to the world. And that's an incredible feeling, to be part of something so important as bringing God's kingdom into New Malden. Communities rely on each other. Let's commit to being reliable. Once we've put our hand to the plough, Jesus says, don't look back. Let's commit to being part of Christchurch's mission, whether that's on a Sunday or midweek, or within the church or outwards to New Malden. You can find out more about our church's mission at ccnm.org slash getinvolved and see where you can take part. Speak to Stephen or Nathan or me about it too. A third commitment we can make is to listen to God, to his little promptings. When we hear them, let's not put it off, let's act on them now. If someone floats into our mind who might be lonely or struggling, we can text them or phone them right now while it's on our mind. If we feel inspired to do something or create something, then we must act on that inspiration straight away. Often those thoughts are God speaking to us. When we act on them immediately, we're listening to God and we're training ourselves to listen to him more. We become more tuned in to his voice and as a result, we find he speaks to us more. When we put them off, oh, I could phone my lonely great aunt, but I'll do it tonight when I'm less busy or I'll just watch a bit of television first. I'm sure she's fine. When we do that, we're training ourselves to put God second and we blunt our antennae. We're deliberately blocking out his voice. 
People often wonder why God doesn't speak to them. Maybe this is the reason. If God speaks to us and we don't respond, then why should he go on speaking? But God is faithful and he doesn't stop calling out to us, ever. But we have to recognise those prompts as his voice and respond. It's an act of the will. It's a commitment and when we do it, it's really rewarding. I think this is the kind of thing Jesus was talking about in our reading from Luke chapter 9, when people offered to follow him, but they wanted to go back and do something else first. If they couldn't follow Jesus straight away, I can't help wondering whether they would have got round to following him at all. The Samaritan village in that same chapter, Luke 9, turned away Jesus' party because he was going to Jerusalem. The Samaritans' political disapproval of that meant that Jesus ignored them and went somewhere else. Imagine, they could have had Jesus in their village, but they were so worried about their political principles that they'd rather not have him at all than accept Jesus as he really was. Are we willing to accept Jesus completely as he is? So much of what he stands for and what he wants from us is countercultural to us nowadays, just as much as it was to those Samaritans. His anti-materialism, his social justice, his inclusivity. It's really hard to resist our own culture. Yet, do we really want to say that we'd rather not have Jesus in our life? Yes, we can follow Jesus at a distance. We can observe him and other Christians from the next village, so to speak. But that passage warns us that if we do that, Jesus will never be truly in our life. He won't be filling us daily with his Holy Spirit and giving us the full measure of his peace and joy. No, Jesus wants to be with us totally. And for that to happen, we need to accept him for everything that he is. And that means listening to his voice, spending time with him, and making him our top priority in everything. So at this time of new beginning, a new year, a new political landscape for Britain, another lockdown, let's take this opportunity to rededicate ourselves to God. Let's commit to a project that will bring us closer to him. Let's commit ourselves to being part of Christchurch's mission in New Malden. And let's be committed to listening to God and acting wholeheartedly on what he prompts us to do. In short, let's commit to being the best Christians we possibly can, so that at this important time, Christchurch will be the best church it can possibly be.